The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us. Be with all who are listening, whether in Springfield Community Church or at home via a podcast. Let's quieten our hearts at the beginning of our worship. And the first hymn, which is for listening only, is Lord for the Years.
to lead us into our first prayer from the book of Exodus. The children of Israel set out from Succoth and camped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel on by day and by night. We come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Living God, Lord of the years, we come to worship you, we come to praise you, we come without thanksgiving for all you have been to us over the years. And we thank you for that lovely image that you bring into our minds and into our hearts of the children of Israel making their way through the wilderness. You going before them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. We praise you as the one who goes ahead of us. We know that with so many in our country at this time, we're beset by fears and worries and anxiety. You would shift our focus now from our fears, our worries, our anxieties to you going ahead of us, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. You have been with us. You have been with us when the way has been easy, on sunny days, on easy days, but you've been with us through harder days, times of sorrow and struggle, times of confusion. You have been with us. But today we celebrate the great three dimensions of our faith. You have been with us. You are with us. And you will continue to be with us, even as roads divide and we go different ways. You have given your assurance in Christ that you will neither leave us nor forsake us. And so now we ask that you would enable us to, set the, to take the bearings of our life, to set the compass of our hearts by that pillar of fire, that pillar of cloud, who is the Christ who goes before us. Forgive us that at times we have given in to our fears and lost our focus on our faith. Forgive us at times when although we know that you are ahead of us, we have given in to anxiety or selfishness. Forgive us. Open up our hearts to the God who is with us now, to the God who leads us on, to the God who meets us in the wilderness and who says to us, don't be afraid, I've redeemed you, I've called you by your name and I will lead you on. In this knowledge, strengthen us. In this knowledge, awaken us. In this knowledge, reassure us. And in this knowledge, empower us for all that lies ahead of us on our different roads. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. And now let's hear the word of God. Thank you, Jeanette.
reading from the King James Version. This Bible was given to me. This Bible was given to me by my husband when I became an elder. And the first reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke unto me, and we compassed compassed Mount Sheer many days. And the Lord spoke this to me, saying, Ye have compassed this mountain long enough. Turn you northward, and command thou the people, saying, Ye are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Shear, and they shall be afraid of you. Take you good heed unto yourselves, therefore. Meddle not with them, for I will not give you of their land, no, not so much as of food breads, because I have given Mount Shear unto Esau for the possession. You shall buy meat of them for money, and you may eat, and you shall also buy water of them for money, that ye may drink. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through the great wilderness these forty years. The Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. The New Testament reading is from Mark, chapter 1, verses 9 to 15. And it came to pass in these days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway, coming out of the water, he saw the heaven opened, and the Spirit, like a dove, descended upon him. And there came a voice from the heaven, saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, And he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent thee and believe the gospel. May God add his blessing to these holy words. Amen. Thank you, Jeanette.
We listen to the hymn, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. short tribute to Jim on his last Sunday with us. Um, 
maybe more in the style of McGonagall than Kenneth Stephen, but we try our best. Farewell to the minister. Our minister is leaving. Retirement calls at last. He served the parish faithfully in the ten years which have passed. He taught us how to live our faith, encouraged us to use the gifts that God has given us, led us to pastures new. His ministry consisted not of preaching from above, but of walking alongside us, discovering God's love. We'll miss his tales of Linda's farm, of border towns and Kinloch U. We'll miss the word in Scott's tongue, the penny whistle too. We'll miss the hospitality we'd never shared before, the Christmas lunch, the Easter hunt, the man's an open door. The parish will be poorer once our minister has departed. The best gift we can give him is to build on what he started. Our minister is leaving. It's time for one last hymn. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you, wherever he may lead you, Jim. Thank you, that was lovely. I mean, maybe I can get a copy of it later. And I'll maybe say a wee bit more in response to that uh, lovely poem at the end. Let us pray. The living God, speak to us the word of life, that word that calls us further along the road, that word that leads us on the path you would have us to travel. In the name of Christ, amen. Here's a wee story. In the old days, the minister's pastoral visit was sometimes, maybe not always, but sometimes, was a rather formal and even sometimes quite a stiff affair. On this occasion, the minister was perched on the sofa, best china cup in his hand, and wee Johnny, aged six, had been warned to be on his very best behaviour when the minister called. Now, wee Johnny was on his best behaviour, but after the minister had gone, he asked his mum, why does the minister have that funny collar? Mum explained, that's his dog collar. Wee Johnny sat thoughtfully for a minute or two. Then he said, mum, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yes, his mum said, yes, yes, I suppose it is a good thing. Because we, Johnny said, it means if he gets lost, everybody will know where he lives and they can bring him back home. So now you know what dog colours are really for. And it's just as well I have one because I feel just a wee bit lost at this time. Leaving my home in series for Falkirk to a very familiar house, but to a town which really hasn't been my home for well over 30 years, it's a strange feeling. A struggle to get my bearings, you might say, 
It was different leaving Selkirk, sad though I was to leave friends and congregation and community. There was a sense of continuity there as I was taking my identity as a parish minister with me to work that out, that same identity, somewhere else among a new community, a new congregation. But now I lay that aside. For me, that identity has been very much about being at the heart of a warm community. I seem to remember that on the original CV I sent here, I mentioned the importance of fellowship and hospitality, and I said something like, uh, when, we'll, when together we live out the warm humanity of Christ, it's then that we really touch others and draw others in. I've tried to work that through, and the manse has been, for most of my ministry, something of a hub, people dropping in, and that's continued right up to yesterday, which was lovely, various groups meeting and so on. There's something symbolical for me in the fact that, very sadly, I can't take the man's dining table with me. It's much too big for my wee house in Falkirk. Something symbolical in that. Leaving behind that table symbolises the real loss I feel today as I leave the buzz of ministry, the banter, the friendships, the round-the-table gatherings, the cheek, the slagging, the rest of it. Whether in the manse or messy church, after service coffees, bowls and a blur of the guild, Swingfield drop-in cafe or the youth pub, former serious soup lunches or the present village cafe. That table symbolises the loss I feel as I move on. And I suppose I'm in a kind of in-between place at the moment, as you are too, in a kind of disorientation between the old identity and the new one that I've still to find. The scriptures talk a lot about that in-between place, between where we've been and where we are going. And they call it the wilderness. It's a powerful symbol. It's a rich symbol. And it speaks to me today. In the Old Testament, as in our reading, the wilderness is that in-between place between where the people of God have been in Egypt and the land beyond the Jordan that lies ahead of them. To which they are going. The wilderness turns out to be the place of the deepest questioning, a probing of their basic identity. Who are they? What are they about? For the chosen of Israel, it's a testing time, a forging time. In our gospel reading, Jesus is in the in-between place, He's left his previous career in the family building business, the, the Greek word technon, probably covers something broader than just a carpenter or joiner, a more general builder it probably was. So he's left the family business, but he's yet to begin his ministry proper. Jesus goes into the wilderness. He revisits the story of his people, the wilderness time of the children of Israel, which we read. But where they soon fell into disobedience, into rebellion, they ended up going round and round in circles. Jesus holds to the Father's path, and he emerges strong, ready to begin the work of the kingdom. Jesus comes out of his wilderness time with a clarity of who he is and what he's to be about. For you and for me, today marks our entry into the in-between place of the wilderness.
And yet we both need to remember that more than anywhere else, the wilderness is where people meet God in a new way. You and I need to hold to that image that I used for the, to move us into the first prayer. The image of God going ahead of his people through the wilderness. But we can't and we mustn't evade the deep question that's part of the wilderness journey. Speaking of questioning, I recall one very exhausting Christmas season in the Borders Parish, Ashkirk and Selkirk, where I was for 15 years. As I crawled up the brae to the tiny wee Ashkirk church, and I just I mean almost literally crawled up to do one of the last Christmas services, I suggested to one of the elders that the following year I would appoint an elder to a special role. This elder would supply the, the minister with answers to these three questions posed by the minister. Number one, who am I? Number two, where am I? And number three, what on earth am I supposed to be doing here? And maybe these are kind of big cosmic questions too. Not just questions for a busy minister at Christmas. Who are we? Where are we in God's big story? And what on earth are we supposed to be doing here anyway? These are questions for us all. Eugene Peterson tells a funny but unsettling story. In a busy shopping mall, a young woman suddenly goes into child labour. The shout goes out for a doctor. One in a white coat quickly rushes into the circle of anxious bystanders, calms everybody down, gets some decent privacy for the young woman, and successfully delivers the child. Before he can be thanked, he disappears into the crowd. Only later does it emerge he wasn't actually a doctor at all. He was a white-coated shop worker who simply did what everybody expects doctors to do. He knew enough about doctors to convince the crowd that he was one. Eugene Peterson, Presbyterian minister, is hugely disturbing and suggesting that on a superficial level, it's very easy to put on the uniform, the equivalent of the doctor's white coat, and to be a minister and the sense of doing what everybody expects ministers to do, going through the ministerial motions. Christian ministry, he says, rather, isn't a question fundamentally of doing, but of being, of identity, because what we do flows from who and what we are. So we're back to the Ashkirk Christmas questions. Who am I, where am I, and what on earth am I supposed to be doing here anyway? For me, the in-between time is a probing time too. A reminder that I'm more than what I do, or have been doing until the end of today, when I'll no longer be a parish minister. But maybe God reminds me today that my basic identity isn't parish minister. That's what I've been doing. But that's secondary. My basic identity is, or should be, that of simply another human being trying to follow Jesus Christ. And being a minister is just the way I've been trying to work out following Jesus Christ for the last 25, 30 years. As my life direction changes radically, that identity really remains. I know that some ministers have a terrible time in retirement because they've sucked everything everything into this identity of a minister. And they really struggle 
when that identity is no more. In similar fashion, your basic identity surely isn't as members of a particular church in a particular building, that's secondary. Your basic identity is a bunch of human beings seeking to follow Jesus Christ and working that out in this particular place, within a particular building. In different ways as we part company, we move now into that in-between place, into the wilderness. For both of us, it will be a time of deep, profound questioning as who we are and what we are to be comes out under the searing light of God. Who are we? Where are we? And what on earth are we supposed to be doing here anyway? Big cosmic questions with very ordinary, mundane, everyday outworkings. But do remember, it's in the wilderness, it's in the time of uncertainty that we meet God in a new way. In Scripture, it's in the wilderness that amazing things happen. I want to leave the final words to T.S. Eliot from the second, I think, of his four quartets poems. These words. Not fear well, but fear forward, travellers. Not fear well, but fear forward, travellers. Journey well as you continue. And know that God is with you. Amen. And we have some music now. Lovely to have Kate and Sheena again. Keyboard and violin. Thank you.
Please, thank you. Simon will lead us in our prayers of intercession. Thank you, Simon. Let us pray. Dear Father, we bring you our thanks for our doubts and uncertainties, as well as for things we think we are sure about. We see that you hold us with a Father's love, and this gives us courage to help others in a world overwhelmed with fear. You walk with us, step by step on our journey through life, steadying and cheering us. We see that you are there when our hearts are moved by beauty, by trust, by dedication, by selfless generosity. We see you in the actions of others every day, and we are certain that you are there. We see we see that the world is full of suffering and that you are suffering with it. As we know you better, day by day, we share with you the pain of your creation. Father, we bring you the world like a child with a broken toy. Like children, we find it difficult to understand that you cannot remake the world as we would wish. Teach us to search within ourselves for the seeds of wisdom that you have planted there. Give us confidence that we are able to play our part in the mending of the world. We have the voice to show the leaders of the world your vision of justice and peace, to open their eyes to new ways to honour all creation and to build communities and nations where all are held to be of value. We pray for those who live in fear, for those whose lives have been smashed, who mourn for those closest to them, and who can see no end to terror and darkness. For ourselves, help us to see the truth among the lies, the light beyond the darkness. Help us to serve each other. Give us energy to lift our world, our church, and the place where we live. Give us hope that serving you, we can bring closer your kingdom. Amen. Now, over the last several months, Sarah has been busy collecting donations from members of the church and from people outside the church. And she's put the donations together in a cheque, which is to be found inside this unnecessarily large card. Um, it says, Jim, with gratitude for your ministry with us and every good wish for the future. And there is the check, and there is a list on three pages of the people who have contributed towards it. Jim. Thank you. Our Thank you so much. So, virtual handshake at this point. Thank you. 
Thank you so very, very much. As I've already said um, to people who've said you'll be demob happy now, I'm saying quite the reverse. It genuinely feels as much like a bereavement as it does to be going on holiday. And maybe it's a kind of mix of the two, which is quite strange. I remember many years ago, a friend of mine who had a kind of troubled life eventually found himself to faith and indeed to ministry. And at a particular service, there was an unexpected birthday party for him. And I still remember his words. This is like the grace of God. I just don't deserve it. And I would say the same sort of thing today. I've been tremendously humbled by all the, the messages and cards and gifts and everything that have come to me. And especially, I think, I've had quite a few visits from people who I know pastorally have not had their problems to seek and who are really struggling with life. And yet they came with their messages, their cards, whatever, just with themselves. I was so deeply touched that people who are really, in many cases, struggling with life took time out to come and uh, see me and to thank me for whatever it is I may have done or maybe not done in some ways. So I'm tremendously grateful as I look back uh, for your kindness. I think especially for your patience because I know there have been a few uh, blunders along the way and things I would have done very differently, perhaps more sensitively. But as I said last week, it's, a bit, it's always going to be with every minister. It's like the school report card could have done better. Um, but if it hadn't been for all your love and help and encouragement, I think it would have done a heck of a lot worse. So thank you so much from the heart. This is very special. Thank you. And all that remains now is to say that Please don't hang about in the church, but I want to chat to everybody outside. So you go out, we all go out the other door, and the box for the offering is there if you want to put in your offering. But please do take time. It's still not raining, as far as I can see. Um, do take time to chat outside. And once again, thank you for all you have been and will continue to be to me. Thank you. Now, the last hymn is... It's Guide Me, O Thy Great Jehovah, but all the recordings I could find sing Guide Me, O Thy Great Redeemer. So it's the same hymn. I think it's probably Jehovah on the words on the screen. So we'll listen to the hymn, Guide Me, O Thy Great Redeemer.
Just a pause to get the technology right. The Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. And go in the peace of Christ and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, encircle and fold, surround and uphold you as you continue your journey. This day, forevermore. Amen. <laughs>